listen long enough to you I'd find a way to believe it's all true And knowing that you lied straight face while I cried Still I look to find a reason to believe Someone like you makes it hard to live without Somebody else Someone like you makes it easy to give Never thinking of myself If I give you time to change my mind I'd find a way to leave the past behind you lied straight face while I cried Still I look find a reason to believe Someone like you makes it hard to live without Somebody else Someone like you makes it easy to give Never thinking of myself started his musical journey playing guitar at age seven and has been a professional working musician as a guitarist and vocalist his entire life as a performer, studio musician, composer, educator, music contractor, and recording artist. Although his styles include classical, jazz, pop, country, and flamenco, his passion has always been songwriting. Inspired as a young man by his older cousin Tim Harden, the writer of If I Were a Carpenter, Reason to Believe, and many more, Richard has returned to his songwriting roots with two new CDs, Another Life, Fate Cuts Like a Knife, and Last Troubadour, The Tim Harden Legacy. Welcome to the Better Each 
Day Podcast Radio Show with Bruce Hilliard. Today and every day, reaching out for innovative ideas in every way. Today's show is brought to you by your future. It comes with a lifetime guarantee. All right, so, yeah, you were asking about um, my story, how I, you know, my, my my musician's journey here and um i've pretty much come full circle in my life as i said um uh, as a young kid i was always into music and uh i watched my cousin tim tim harden um in the early days and he always inspired me as a songwriter and i used to go see him at the troubadour and stuff i mean i was so young my mom would take me down there and <laughs> it was really something to see him and and you know tim wrote such great songs as i were carpenter and reason to believe and misty roses a lot of great tunes so i was always inspired as a songwriter but as time went on um you know i started studying music in college and and just became fascinated with, with every aspect of it meaning everything from class i studied classical guitar in fact that was my first degree um and um Later on, continue studying jazz, and as a professional, I've been playing classical, pop, jazz, folk, country, just about everything for, except rock and roll for all these years, just working as a professional guy here in the Southern California area. That's so, a good thing to be able to draw from it, from a songwriter's standpoint, though. You've got a, a, an arsenal of things you can work with. Absolutely, and... The best thing, though, when I'm writing is that I forget all that stuff. Yeah, that's good, too. <laughs> yeah, because sometimes it's just good to just be intuitive and write what makes sense to you. You're right, absolutely. Just having the, the ability to understand what's going on harmonically, what's going on technically, you know, and then, of course, recording. I do all the guitar parts and everything. But kind of come full circle because out of necessity and my musical journey, I just really um, enjoyed studying all these different types of music and performing them all my life. But you know, by a series of events uh, in the last oh, five or six years, I really came back to my original passion. And uh, it came about in kind of a funny way. I was with this wonderful lady, uh, Carol, and um, in the beginning of our relationship, we used to always come back to her place, and she had, a, she had this compilation of tunes from the 60s, and one of them was Tim Harden singing Reason to Believe. And it came on every time when I came over, and I kept saying, "Well, that's my cousin Tim, you know." She'd go, "Yeah, right, right." Mm -hmm. And after a while, because she didn't know Tim's music, after a while, she just said she researched Tim, and then she just fell in love with him. And then she, you know, most of the gigs she'd heard me on, I'd been playing my instrumental stuff, my jazz or my flamenco or this kind of stuff. And um, then she heard me on one of my gigs where I'm singing, and she goes, "Richard, why aren't you doing that?" She goes, "You need, you need to make." You need to write your get back to your writing, and you need to uh, make a CD of uh, Tim Harden's music, you know. And it was just sort of an epiphany, and she really inspired me to do that. So that was our focus for a couple of years. And uh, I believe I told you the, you know, the irony and the tragedy of it was that uh, Carol passed away during that time. Yeah, and. Uh, Many of the songs on this this new release uh, are are with her, for her, about her, and, and about that whole process. So, ironically, this whole this whole thing turned into uh, almost a 
prophetic. Some of the songs became prophetic, uh, and and of course, it just a way of me uh, getting through that and expressing my grief and all that. So, <laughs> if I can gather myself together, it's it's all the stuff that I've written on this last one are very uh, personal and and deeply felt tunes. Yeah. I was looking and listening, and I was like, what, "What one should we talk about?" Because they're all—they all seem to be, yeah, exactly what you just described. Very uh, uh, coming from your heart, I guess. Is what I want to say. Yeah, and and like I say, I, I kind of took—I took that page from Tim in a sense. That, you know, like on Tim's—I'll get more get back to Tim's story in a bit. Yeah, I, yeah. I know that a lot of people know his name, and a lot of people don't these days. But you know, on his gravestone, it says. He sang from the heart. So, point being is, I, you know, I really, that's where I really wanted to come, come from on this this album. And I'll just give you an example. You know, it was, it was so prophetic and so strange that the, the one tune on there, which actually uh, Carol and I came up with the title together, because it was just such a simple thought that really uh, women and men want to hear, and it's called "Tell Her." And I think you've heard that on the CD. And, I did. And you know, I uh, I wrote that while she was alive, and and uh, she loved that tune. But the original um, chorus or bridge, whatever you would call it, um, was kind of vague. And I had gone back to Nashville and thrown my songs around to some writers back there, and that was one of the suggestions. And this was while Carol was alive. We went back there together, and and one of the guys said, you know. That that bridge is great, but it, it's too big. You know, you you got to personalize it. And so as you as the bridge goes now, it's, you know, um, you know, I speak from the heart because I let her slip away, only to find it's too late to tell her. Well, at that time, I didn't know she'd be gone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so the song became strangely prophetic, and uh, yet it it makes more sense, you know, from a craft point of view as well. You know, I mean. I speak from my heart here, but I also, I'm also very aware of the craft and, and what one a person is expressing in a song. I mean, there's certain things that that personalize it, certain things that uh, make it uh, something that everyone can relate to. And so I think that if you listen to the words of that song, I think it says it all in, in that uh, regard and tells that story. If you've been wondering where she's been all your life 
Like a long forgotten memory From another place and time Like a long lost twin you lost so long ago You thought you'd never find Tell her You know I speak from the heart Because I let her slip away To find it's too late To tell her And when you feel like you're so far from home Like a lonely traveler in a tailor Cause your story ends without her Remember That when the shadows were closing in on you She was the only that was just sort of an overall reflection of my life and life in general. And, and I'm old enough to be able to look back a little bit and see all that. And uh, I'm fascinated by the concept. Yeah. Those things happen fast in life too. You know, there's things that you work for your entire life that just take forever. And some of those crazy things as a result of fate. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how that works. So you've been playing a long, long time. I, I think you said you started when you're seven. Yeah, yeah. Somebody came over with a with a, a baritone ukulele when I was about that age, and I thought that's, that's funny. That's pretty. Yeah, so it was. So it was with me as well. Somebody handed a ukulele into my hand one one day, and uh, that was it, man. Seven years old. Yeah, yeah. When people say they want to learn guitar, but you hear this, I can't read music, and you hear, well, it makes my fingers hurt, and this and that, and, and I always say, just get a ukulele. And and if you get you know, a baritone ukulele, it's tuned like the four high strings on a guitar, so you're already learning some of the chords, exactly the way they played it. Know, that's interesting. We have the same background, and it's you know it was funny because uh, I often joke about my first experience with music, and uh, my family and I were down at the beach here in California, like we did every year, and and uh, just having fun. I'm seven years old. I'm just a little kid, and. Uh, these two beautiful uh, college girls were standing next door at the 
there's a duplex there, and they thought little Dicky was cute, so they handed they had a ukulele, and they, they they handed me a ukulele and taught me how to sing um, uh, Twenty Six Miles Across the Sea. <laughs> and so uh, here I am getting all this attention from two beautiful uh, college girls in bikinis. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if there's a connection there or what, but uh, I, I haven't. I haven't stopped playing music since. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. There some, seems to be some sort of attraction to it, too. I don't know, from women. I don't know. Yeah, I think all that attention, I go, hey, man, this, this is a good thing. And I remember my dad telling me when I, when I was uh, in college, and, and my dad goes, well, so, so you, you're gonna, you're studying music in college? And I go, yeah, yeah, I, I want to I do this. And he goes, yeah, but you'll be out late. You'll be, you'll be a lot of booze and drugs and wild women and what's that and i go yeah yeah that age yeah <laughs> count me in yeah baby <laughs> <laughs> but uh no I, i'm being facetious i've led a pretty straight life you know raised two kids in the suburbs but uh yeah back to what we're talking about i've just been a working guy in southern california i have a company where i contract music for corporate events which is lucrative and um, then i uh, and i perform i do most of the performing for those and um, I do a lot of recording, session work, um, and just a lot of live. I just love going out every night and playing. I do a lot of work at uh, a lot of five-star resorts and that kind of thing and some clubs. And I'm happy as uh, a clam just playing every night still. That's a cool gig to have. You're doing a lot of different things, though. It, it sounds like you somewhat have a portfolio of things that you do that are interrelated. You know, it's just fluky. I don't know how I, I'm, you know, I, I think it's just, luck of the draw and being in Southern California, there is, there's enough work so that I can make a decent living and, um, you know, uh, support my habit. So as long as they keep hiring me, I'll keep doing it. In the meantime, like I said, I've kind of retooled a little bit and focusing more on songwriting. They're great songs. Well, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm very proud of this project. Yeah. The melodies are great. Music is a spectrum of things. I mean, you should be able to do a whole lot of different things within a you know for instance you use a lot of different guitars and a lot of different guitar techniques and as you say you, Absolutely. yeah you kind of forget about it and just express yourself musically somebody told me early on when i was studying music uh in college it, it, it's like you you learn all the scales and then forget them otherwise you're just oh, gonna you're gonna sound like you're playing scales yeah i think that was charlie parker who used to say that you know oh. learn everything you can and then then when you're playing forget it yeah I know it was yeah. an original, but I don't know who said it first, but it's it's good advice. Tim Harden, that's your first cousin. How, how does that relationship yeah. come about? Well, uh, my mother, um, uh, my mother has, my mother's still alive in her 90s. Hmm. She has a brother who's passed away who um, was Tim's father. And her brother was uh, 10 years older than her. So Tim was kind of a generation up, but like I say, I'm this kid, and he's I'm t he's back in New York in Greenwich Village in the '60s, and hanging out with the likes of you know Joan Baez and Steve Stills and Richie Havens and the whole gang back there, and I'm just you know loving it. And um, you know we're coming home from school one day in the car, and we hear if I were a carpenter on the radio, and my mom goes, "Is that Tim?" And I go, sure sounds like him. Well, it was Bobby Darren, and who admittedly kind of ripped off Tim's Tim's arrangement and vocal approach to that tune. And uh, so, you know, he was my big inspiration to watch Tim come up uh, and 
you know, we used to, they lived up in, uh, you're part of the world, they're, they're from the Northwest, and uh, Tim was raised in Eugene, Oregon. I was raised in Southern California, so we didn't hang a lot as kids. Um, but, uh, you know, they used to come down for, you know, their summer vacations down here, and and uh, so I knew him as a kid, but I actually got to know him a little more in the last few years of his life when he was back in L.A., and I mean, this would take two hours to tell Tim's story, but <laughs> the short, the long and short of it is Tim, you know, uh, unabashedly suffered from a uh, heroin addiction pretty much his whole adult life. And it's a product of the 60s, but he never apologized for it. In fact, he said he loves he loves heroin. <laughs> wow. And, uh, and, but I will say in, you know, in his, uh, mid thirties, late thirties, he, uh, did come back to LA and he'd been through a lot. He was living in, uh, England for years on the methadone program and had a, a real dark time. And obviously it, it was becoming a serious issue, a serious problem. And, uh, you know, after such success in the sixties playing at Woodstock and everything, uh, and then he came back to LA, um, back in, I think about 77 and was working with a producer here to do a new cd uh, i guess it was an album back then <laughs> and which was half finished when he died it was called unforgiven um and literally living in a small apartment in, in hollywood and i got to know him more then and he was clean and and uh, we had a fr- friendly relationship and uh he was starting over and uh he had a girlfriend there who was living with then Janet and they just they were just keeping clean and straight and moving towards doing a new CD and um and she was out of town one weekend and I guess he'd gotten a, some money uh from the record company and make a long story short he took some took some heroin again and I believe it was bad heroin that's the story yeah. and he died in that little apartment in Hollywood in uh, 1980 in fact I think it was if I'm not mistaken, it was uh, like the last day of 1980 at 38 years old. Wow. So, uh, and he was kind of down and out. He was kind of broke. And 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 I will tell you, if I were a carpenter at the time, it was recorded by more people than any tune of that day. Um, I mean, it, the list goes on from Johnny Cast to Dolly Parton to Bob Seger, Robert Plant, uh of course, Bobby Darren had the big hit. Uh, Joan Joan Baez. I think virtually everybody recorded that tune. <laughs> you know, I've been playing it. And I'm a nobody, but I've been playing it for probably 25, 30 years. Right, and, and uh, really didn't know who wrote it. I have to admit. Oh, really? Yeah, I did. I just thought it was a great song, and I play it, and people say, "I love that song." <laughs> well, I just tuned it for another song that I'm about to play for you. It's called. It's called, uh, called If I Were a Carpenter. Oh. If I were a carpenter and you were a lady, would you marry me anyway? Would you have my baby? 
If a tinker were my trade, would you still find me? Carrying the pots I made, following behind me. If I work my hands in wood, would you still love me? And it's one of those, God, I wish I wrote that type songs, you know? It's, yeah. It's hard and to be that What's simple. interesting, you know, when, when Tim came, Tim was a natural musician. His parents were both musicians. His father was a acoustic bass player, jazz player, and his mother was a, a violist and symphony up there in, uh, in Oregon. And so they came from a very musical family. Um, when he went back to New York and ended up at Greenwich Village, he originally went back there on an acting scholarship, and uh, he didn't even play guitar. Uh, I think he grew up playing little piano and uh, trombone. And he gets back to Greenwich Village, and I guess he just bought a guitar at a pawn shop and learned enough, like we're talking about. He didn't have a college degree in music or anything. He just learned enough to write some simple tunes, and that's one of the beauties of if I were a carpenter, it's very guitaristic, as you know. He's got that drop D and just yeah, yeah. playing a little descending bass line and, and then wrote some poignant lyrics over that. Says it all. If I were a carpenter and you were a lady, would you marry me anyway? Would you have my baby? If I were a miller at a mill wheel grinding, would you miss your colored blouse, your soft shoes shining? Save my love for loneliness, save my love for sorrow. I've given you my onlyness. Give me your tomorrow. I've given you my onlyness. Give me your tomorrow. What a great song. Back to Woodstock. He he was supposed to open for the whole show. Is that correct? That's what I have read and that's what I heard. Not not necessarily from him. We never I'm not sure we ever talked about Woodstock, but um it's funny cuz uh Richie Havens uh, ended up doing it, I believe. Yeah. Uh apparently the the story goes and I've heard this from a couple of sources. The story goes that uh Tim was supposed to go on first because, you know, it was such chaos at Woodstock yeah. that, uh, <laughs> you know, they're barely getting the stage up, right? So they just needed some guy who was uh, self-contained to go up there with a guitar and play, right? You know, they, didn't, they couldn't set up a band. They're running late. Everything's crazy. Well, I guess Tim was a little too loaded that day. Uh, this is the story. I'm not putting him down. I'm just saying, yeah. you know, or he was also a little famous for having stage fright, but who wouldn't with 500,000 people standing out there? <laughs> yeah. And the stage isn't ready. And yeah, there were a few elements that I'd would have made it too. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so 
I guess the promoter could not get uh, Tim to go up. So they scramble around. There's Richie Havens. And, uh, you know, he just went up there and they threw, threw together an acoustic guitar and a percussionist. I think he had, what did he have, maybe a bass player with him? I can't remember. But no, I think it was just guitar and percussion, if I'm uh, not mistaken. A few people kind of joined in as he went. He was doing that kind of ad-lib freedom song kind of thing, I believe. Yeah, and, and I heard that, you know, and he did a long set. I, I heard, you know, and that's why he did some of those famous songs. He's just pulling stuff out of his hat, like Here Comes the Sun and whatnot, because the promoter's going, keep playing, keep playing. We don't, we got to get the next band going. <laughs> so that must've been something, but it's funny because um, incidentally I did, uh, I had a wonderful conversation with John Sebastian who played on the, my release, which we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah. Uh, Cause John worked with Tim a lot back in the day and did uh, two albums with him and whatnot and knew him back in Greenwich village. And it's funny cause you know, that famous picture of, of John Sebastian in front of 500,000 people with that tie-dye shirt. Mm -hmm. John was not even booked at Woodstock, but apparently the, I guess it's Michael Lang, the producer just said, you know, asked him if he, and he came out cause he was just basically visiting his friends out there. Right. And this, I got from, from John himself. He told me this story and, and, but Michael Lang asked him to go on and then, uh, he didn't have a guitar. So uh, the guitar he's playing, it was Tim's guitar that day, Tim Loneman's guitar to, okay. to do that set. It's a little little, uh, little inside story on, yeah, on for, Woodstock there. For those of you who don't know who John Sebastian is, probably most famous for loving Spoonful, but he's played with everyone. Absolutely. I believe Roadhouse yeah. Blues by the Absolutely. Doors. I believe he, he plays harmonica on that with the Doors. He worked with a lot of different people as a harp player and did some great work with Tim on his early albums playing and when Tim was doing a lot of blues and they had the same uh, manager uh, back in the day so that's that's how they knew each other oh, cool in fact uh, John told me he goes they, they they lived like in the same apartment building and and uh, back in Greenwich Village and apparently he gets a knock on the door like at 11 o'clock one night and Tim in his own inimitable fashion goes hey you John Sebastian uh, uh, John you're 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 playing on my album tomorrow <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Tim was a very kind of straightforward and charismatic guy. And, and I guess Tim, I guess uh, John said, uh, well, okay. So they, they made uh, Tim's, I think it was his first um, first recording. They actually ended up coming out after two albums. Uh, another story on that. But yeah, it was just, I think it was called This Is Tim Harden. He did a lot of traditional blues stuff on it. It was great. <laughs> that's a good story yeah you're playing on okay what am i playing <laughs> well yeah we'll deal with so that it, later. it was all it, he did some great uh work uh you know blues harp stuff on that album and on that note uh, you know i'm i know we're talking a lot about my and we played a couple cuts from my um my current songwriting project but um i'm also um uh, will soon release um a tribute of to Tim Harden with a number of his songs and um, I did a couple of the tunes that John played originally on a couple old blues tunes and I got I got him to, to play harp on on these cuts as well so I um, was honored to get uh, John Sebastian to play on on this uh, upcoming release of Tim Harden music that's good I'm looking also, forward to it also um, one of the another original guy that played with Tim who um, played with him at Carnegie Hall was uh, a 
fabulous jazz vibes player, Mike Maneri. And um, Tim had a very famous uh, tune for Tim Harden fans. It wasn't so famous in the general public. A tune called Misty Roses, which Tim felt was his best lyric. Um, and Mike played on that at Carnegie Hall with him and uh, did some beautiful work. So I got Mike to record on, on my um, my version of Misty Roses as well. I think it should be mentioned that I feel like Tim is a sort of a forgotten genius, and I've kind of taken it upon myself to get his music out there again with some of these new productions. Um, I'm just doing my own thing with him. And know? probably nobody better to do it than you. Yeah. Um, it's it's personal. I knew him. Um, he inspired me, and, and they're beautiful tunes. So uh, I hope that uh, folks will check it out. It should be out in a couple of months, and... Uh, and uh, keep an eye open for it. Maybe we'll rekindle some interest in Tim. Um, there's, you know, ironically, there was a guy, Ben Edmonds, who uh, was a journalist for, you know, for a number of magazines, including Cream and Rolling Stone and whatnot. Well, well-known rock journalist. He was writing Tim's biography, and we were hoping to release this these two projects together. Um, sadly, um, he died um, a couple of years ago suddenly had pancreatic cancer and died so he never finished the manuscript but it was it's somewhere it was almost done and and we were hoping to do that together but um he was very dedicated to tim and was a big fan and had written a couple of his liner notes um on a couple of his albums anyway he had a fascinating story there's also a movie script written there's been talk about that getting released but you know it's always four ifs and a maybe in hollywood i've heard that one somewhere i don't know so your your upcoming cd is another life fate cuts like a knife and the tim harden one is called last troubadour yeah it's called uh the last troubadour because i feel like tim was kind of the last real troubadour he just sang from his heart and that's what he did and i think as we were talking about technology in the modern world and i think that's almost a lost art form because i don't know it just seems like it's more about um you know um, fireworks displays than it is just about a simple tune and i i harken back to days when i watched him at the troubadour and you know that was enough yeah Back to the basics, the fundamentals. One person, yep, singing a good tune and expressing it well. And that's what I hope people will garner from, from my release. And it's truly from the heart. Here's Richard Hastings performing Another Life, the title cut to his new CD, Another Life, Fate Cuts Like a Knife. Maybe should have stayed with my high school sweetheart. Maybe should have raised four kids in Monterey Maybe should have never left the meadows of Montana Maybe I'd be singing sweet blue grass today ooh, 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 ooh. Maybe should have raised some hell in New York City Maybe should have stayed on that job down in L.A. Maybe should have never left the workday nitty-gritty. Problem is, well, I'd be someone else today. Cause that's another song, that's another plan. Another book, another man, that's another life. 
Fake cuts like a knife Fake cuts Fake cuts like a knife Probably should have never left That table in Las Vegas Probably should have never left That lady in Spain Pobrecita Me hace falta God knows I would have never been the same Oh Anybody's guess Take a right or take a left Head down the highway Right at the light or Straight ahead Is anybody's guess If I could have changed tomorrow Problem is I'd be someone else instead Cause that's another song That's another plan That's another book Another man That's another life Fake cause like a night If you really stop to think about it If you really want to know Ain't no doubt about it It's way beyond our control Cause it's another song, it's another plan Another book, another man It's another scene Another dream, another game that ain't the same It's another fight, ain't no glory Living somebody else's story It's another life Fake cuts like a knife Fake cuts Fake cuts like a knife You know that's how she works Fake cuts like a knife Fake cuts like a
better each day podcast radio show with Bruce Hilliard. We'll be back with a new horizon, but until then, honor the future. It comes with a lifetime guarantee. We're all just trying to make the next day a bit better.